All right, everyone. So glad that you are here today. I'm excited as we uh, continue on in our fasting series. You know, whenever a church, a family, a person, doesn't matter who it is, decides, say, you know what, I want to fast for something, right? Something big, major that's going on in your life, going on in your family's life, a loved one's life. Man, it is always a powerful time. And it is a journey. And I know that it has been a journey for myself, for my family, for a lot of families here who have chosen to fast this month. They have gone through the fire. But you know what? No matter what you go through, when you choose to fast and give something up for God, man, he always, always, always comes through. Always. Never disappoints. Praise God. Praise God. But before we move forward with that, I want to ask if Mike and Trish will come on up here. They're going to do one last song for us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But if you guys would come on up here, though, we just want to love on you guys and pray over you. Uh, this is their last Sunday. Their last Sunday here at the Bridge of Faith. They go back to or go up to Oregon. God has blessed them with a beautiful home up there. And if I could ask the entire leadership team to come on up here. We just want to come on up here to, so, so we, we have some space. We just want to surround you. Love on you, pray for you guys, and bless you out of here. First and foremost, we're going to miss you. We're going to miss you guys. I mean, I've known you guys for practically, you know, most of my whole life. And, uh, man, just so, so thankful for everything you guys have done for, for, for this house, for this church, just all the years of faithfulness, of, of serving. And just, man, just I think of all the plays back in the day, all the... <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think of all the special songs sung. Man, just all great memories. Yeah, Mike and his goat. We had the Easter goat, praise God. We are so glad. So, yes, praise God. But we're going to miss you guys. But we are also, also excited for what God has in store for you. And, you know, Whenever we make big decisions, big moves, whether it's, you know, for relocation or for work or for whatever it is, a big decision, it's always a little scary, right? Because it's new, you know, and, and, and we don't know exactly what's ahead of us. And so it's a little worrisome, but God says that all things work for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And we know that you guys love God. So we know that no matter what happens up in Oregon in the future, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And so we just want to pray for you guys right now. If everyone could just lay your hands out there or stretch your hands out there. And if, if a, as a church, if we could stretch our hands towards them, we just want to bless them as they leave this place. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for Mike and Trish Sabinal. We thank you so much, Lord God, for all the years, Lord God, that said they have been faithful to you faithful to this house. Lord, all the years just that they have served here, Father, it has not gone unnoticed, Lord God. It is not in vain, Father, but you see them and you are going to bless them, God. You already have blessed them with a beautiful home in Oregon, and we thank you for that, Lord God. But Lord, I just ask God that you would bless them as they go up there, just that they're going to find just a, just, a, just a freshness of you up there, Father, that you're going to lead them to a great church, to have a great church family out there. 
and, and, and just bless them, Lord. Bless them financially. Provide for every single need just that they're going to have up there, God. Bless them with just, just with great health, Lord. And again, we're just so incredibly thankful that you brought them here to the Bridge of Faith. Lord God, you brought them here, and it was for a reason and a purpose and a season. And we are just so thankful, Lord God. We have been blessed because of them. So I ask, Lord God, that you will be with them in this next season, that you would go before them, and that you would prepare the way for everything that they're going to need up there. And that it's just going to be just a, just, a, just, just a safe haven for them. It's going to be just, just, uh, just a place of peace, a place of love, just where they're going to know that you are there and that, and that, and that they're going to feel your presence, Lord. We are so thankful and so excited for what you have in store for them, Lord God. You are not done. You are not through. But you have another great season ahead of them in Oregon. So we ask, God, that you would just bless them this final week that they have here. Let it just be a great time with friends and family, Lord. And we just ask, Lord, that you would just always be with them and bless them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. After service, you guys, you guys can have a seat. After service, we're going to go to Silva Hall, and uh, we're going to have some refreshments, some cake, some donuts, some coffee. So hang out just for a little bit with us so we can all say uh, goodbyes and give our hugs to Mike and Trish. So thank you guys so much. So a couple months ago, God put on our heart that we need to fast the month of September as a church. And I was so excited that as I um, introduced it to the church and I brought out that whiteboard in the back, that the very first Sunday I introduced it, the entire month was filled up. It was my hope that the whole month would be filled up by the end of September. But on the very first Sunday that I introduced it in August, the last Sunday of August, the entire month was filled up with somebody from our church praying and fasting that day. And so I want to thank you. This, uh, we have one full week left of prayer and fasting and then half of next week. But one full week left of praying and fasting. I'm not sure where you have been on your journey, but I know that, as I said earlier, a lot of us have just experienced a lot of things this month as we have chosen to fast, to get closer to God. And as I said earlier, we fast for many different reasons, right? Uh, when I spoke two weeks ago on this, we fast for many different reasons because we all have different things going on in our life. And so we choose to fast because we really want to hear from God. That's the whole point of fasting is that, God, I really want to hear from you. I really need an answer right now. And so I want to make things more clear than ever. So I'm going to choose to fast. I'm going to give up food or give up whatever it is that just that I'm going to give up in order to, to replace that with time with you so I can hear from you. And, you know, probably the one main overall reason why we all fast is that we are all in need of guidance of some kind. Some type of guidance, right? We need an answer. We need confirmation. We need whatever it is that we need. But, 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 it, but, but it's a, some type of guidance that we're searching for. And why is that? Why does fasting help us with finding guidance? As, as I said before, we learned that when we fast, we get to find out who God is and we get to find out who we are. When you choose to give something up, especially food, 
give that up for however long, maybe just one meal or half a day or a full day, when you give that thing up and then replace it with God, with something truly good, man, you really find out about what's going on inside here. You really find out what's going on in the depths of your heart. And so that's good. It hurts, but it's good because now you know, okay, this is what I need to pray for. This is the direction that God wants me to go. See, fasting makes things clear for us. But here's the problem, though, that I'm sure a lot of us have experienced this month. When we choose to fast, the answers or the guidance, the solutions that we're looking for, that we're fasting for, they usually do not come right away. In fact, hardly ever do those answers come right away, right? But it's a journey that God wants to take us on to discover him and to discover ourselves. But sadly, a lot of people never get to find out what they were fasting for in the first place because they give up before the guidance ever comes, before the solution ever gets to them, before they ever would have received what God wanted to give them the whole time, they give up because it gets too hard, right? It's like, man, God, I'm already given up food, and now you're going to throw this at me? And now you're going to give me this health problem? And now you're going to throw this on my family? And now you're going to give me this work problem? I'm choosing to fast, God. I'm choosing to grow closer to you. Why is all this crud happening in my life, right? And so a lot of people, they can't push through that, and they give up. And say, forget it. I'm done fasting. I'm done trying to spend time with you, God, because obviously it's not working out. And they never get to experience what God had in store for them all along because they just didn't hold on. So what do we do in those times? How do we hold on during the fast for what we're in need of guidance of? And this is what we're going to get into today. So let's pray before we go any further. Dear God, we give you today, Lord. We love you. We worship you. We thank you so much for this month of praying and fasting. I pray, Lord God, that even if we haven't, that this week we'll choose to pray and fast at least one day, at least one meal. Say, God, I am giving this up and giving this to you. I'm saying no to this because I want more of you in my life. So, God, we just give you today. We give you this service. Let me be your mouthpiece. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you want to turn to the book of Judges. That is where we're going to be at today. Judges chapter 20. So go ahead and turn to Judges chapter 20 or you can follow along with us on the screen. Let me just give you some background on Judges chapter 20 uh, before we go further because there's a lot of stuff that's going on leading up to this. So during this time in history, in Judges chapter 20, there is no king in Israel. And it will tell us that every single person did as they saw fit. And so at first, it wasn't that bad. But then as time went on with no king in Israel and everyone doing as they saw fit, things got worse and worse and worse. Until finally the nation of Israel was so corrupt that there was a Levite and his concubine, a, a, a concubine is a wife but not the title of a wife. It's the same duties, 
uh, and same everything else, but you don't have the title of a wife. So it's his concubine. And they're traveling through the area. And then finally they say, hey, you know what? Let's stop and spend the night right here. But his servant says, no, or, or his servant says let's stop and spend the night right here. And he says, no, 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 no. This isn't, a, this isn't a town of Israel. Let's go a little bit further because a little bit further is our people. And so I'd rather spend the night with our people, okay? And so, and so they all think that this makes sense. And so they get up and they go to the town of Gibeah. The town of Gibeah belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. And so they get there, and finally, after going to the little courtyard, an uh, old, um, old man comes and says, hey, come spend the night with me. And so they go, and they spend the night there, and, the, and this place was so corrupt. The men of this town, they come banging on the door saying, give us your person that's there spending the night with you so that we can have our way with them. I mean, this town was so evil, so corrupt, because everyone did as they saw fit, not serving God. And so finally, just to make a long story short, they end up giving the concubine, they rape her until she dies. I mean, a horrible, grotesque sin has just taken place, a horrible act. And so find, finally, the Levite leaves, and then he sends out a message to all the tribes of Israel saying, look what has happened with our own people. And so all the tribes of Israel gets together and then they all go to Gibeah where this happened. And then they say to the Benjamites, they say, hey, give us the guilty party so that we can, you know, do accordingly to what they have done. Right? Bring them to justice. And, and, and the tribe of Benjamin, they said, no, we're not going to give them up to you. I mean, it was so corrupt, so corrupt, so horrible. And so this is where we are right now. What this eventually is going to lead to when the tribe of Benjamin refuses to give up the guilty party is civil war. Civil war. War now is going to happen between Israel and the tribe of Benjamin. And this is where we are now in Judges chapter 20, starting at verse 14. So this section is going to describe kind of both sides of the war here. Verse 14, Then the people of Benjamin came together out of the cities to Gibeah to go out to battle against the people of Israel. And the people of Benjamin mustered out of their cities on that day 26,000 men who drew the sword. Now, whenever you see that, who drew the sword, that means these are warriors. This is what they do. All right, these are experienced battle-tested warriors, okay, men who drew the sword. Besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, who mustered 700 chosen men, verse 16, among all these were 700 chosen men who were left-handed. Now, whenever it says that in Scripture, that means that, that, that they were bad warriors. They were hard to deal with if they're left-handed because that was, I mean, it's, it's, it's uncommon today. It was even more uncommon back then. So they had 700 chosen men who were left-handed, and everyone could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. I'm okay. Mike's okay. My dad's okay. But it says that they could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. That's how, that's how great of warriors the tribe of Benjamin was sending out to them. It says, and the men of Israel 
apart from Benjamin, mustered 400,000 men who drew the sword. And all these were men of war. So this is a battle, you guys. These are not some people that don't know what they're doing. They are having civil war, and they know exactly what they're doing. Both sides are sending out men of the sword, people who know how to handle themselves. And then, I mean, we got some, you know, some crazy uh, Navy SEALs you know, can, can sling a stone and add a hair and not miss. And so this is a true battle that's about to take place. And, you know, as I read this story and in this scenario, I saw the nation of Israel kind of representing us, you and me, while the tribe of Benjamin in this story kind of represents the enemy, right, the enemy that you and I face. So keep that in mind as we go throughout the story here. And the first thing that we need to recognize that in this story the battle is real, right? I mean, we just described the crazy warriors on both sides and we need to know and come to recognize and agree with that in our life, the battle is real. That we are truly in a battle. That we cannot walk around just thinking that nothing is ever going to happen to us because we have Jesus in our heart. Jesus warns us himself that in this world you will have trouble. So we need, so, so we need to be on guard. And that's how we need to choose to live our life. And Paul is going to describe the battle that you and I face also. In Ephesians 6, 12, and 13, Paul describes the battle that you and I face today. And he wrote, and he says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore... So again, so because you and I, we may not go out to actual battle and, and carry an actual sword and, and then attack an actual person, but you and I battle just, I mean, darkness, what's going on in the heavenly places, it says. Stuff that you and I can't see is what you and I battle. So what do we do? How do we combat that? Well, Paul says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. You see, this is why we need to pray. This is why we need to worship. This is why we need to read the word. This is why we need to come together as a body of Christ. And this is why we need to fast. Because you and I, we are in a real battle. I mean, just think about your week, right? Think about all the things that goes on in your mind, just like, how, just like how my dad described that one time driving to work or driving home from work and just the battle going on in your mind. I know that I've been there. I know that every single person has been there in some way, shape, or form. And that is what you and I battle. That is what we battle. The enemy wants to plant seeds into your mind so that you will give up. So that you will not fast, so that you will not pray, so that you will not read the word, so that you will not come to church, so that you will not grow closer to God. Because he knows that if you grow closer to God, then you will win. And so he's going to do all he can to mess that up. The battle is real, you guys. The battle is real. And you know, as the football season has started, praise God. Um, I have been reminded of something, just watching the first couple of weeks. I was reminded of something, watching some of the games. 
And I really saw that the good teams, the good teams in the NFL, they do this, right? Not only do they know that they're in a battle, right, going into that game on Sunday, not only do they know that they're in a battle and so they plan accordingly, meaning that they have a good game plan going into the game, but the good teams in the game, when they are experiencing some defeats, they know how to make adjustments, and, you know, as I was watching the Raiders and the Chiefs play last Sunday, man, the Raiders jump up 10-0 on the Chiefs. And if you don't know, the Chiefs are, like, picked to go to the Super Bowl this year. But the Raiders jumped up 10-0 on them. And, and, and you're like, yes, the Raiders had a plan. And they were executing that plan. But guess what a good team does? A good team can take defeats but not give up and make adjustments. And so guess what? The Chiefs scored 28 points in the second quarter alone, and they win the game. So still a little bitter, but hopefully, haven't checked right now, hopefully the Raiders can make it up today. But as we fast, let's know that we are in a battle, number one. Let's know we are in a battle, but also let's know that in that battle, you will take some defeats. You will have days that are not good days. In fact, you may fall flat on your face and sin and mess up, and then it's like the hundredth millionth time. But guess what a good team does? They make adjustments. They don't give up. They make adjustments, and they come back, and they come back. So let's get back to the Civil War. Judges, uh, Judges uh, 2018 now. So the people of Israel now arose and went up to Bethel and inquired of God. So this is right before the first battle. This is what Israel does. The people of Israel arose and went up to Bethel and inquired of God. And they said, who shall go up first for us to fight against the people of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. So Israel, in this scenario, they do the right thing, right? They're going out to battle for a just reason, okay? They're going, up to, uh, going out to battle the tribe of Benjamin because of the horrible act that, said, um, that, uh, uh, that uh, they have committed, right? And then now, not only does, it, does, does Israel just go out to battle, but it says first they go to inquire of God. And they say, God, what should we do? And God speaks to them. God speaks to them. And God says, send Judah first. So we're like, okay. They're like, man, we're ready. We're here for a just reason. We're doing a good thing. We have inquired of God first, and he spoke to us. Let's go to battle. Let's go to battle. Well, so what's going to happen in that battle? I don't think this one's up here, Jeff, so don't worry about it. But verse 21, verse 21 says, The people of Benjamin came out of Gibeah, and destroyed on that day 22,000 men of the Israelites. Israel loses that battle. And if you're like me, you're probably thinking, what the heck, God? They are here for a just reason. And not only are they here for a just reason, they spent time with you first. And not only did they spend time with you first, but you spoke to them. And then they went to battle. And they still lost. What the heck, right? Why? You know, it kind of makes me think of, if you guys are boxing fans, of uh, Pacquiao and Mayweather. You know, Pacquiao is this born-again Christian, man of God. 
And I remember when that fight took place, I was like, yes, God is going to come through for Pacquiao. And Mayweather is going to get his first loss ever. And no, uh, Mayweather beat him. And you're like, what the heck, God? I know Pacquiao's a man of God. I know that he prayed before the fight. He probably prayed during the fight. And then why did he lose? What the heck, God? Don't we have those moments in life where it's like we're trying to do good, right? It's like we're trying to get our life back on track. We're trying to do better. We're trying to read the word a little bit. We're trying to pray more. And yet we're still taking these losses. And we're like, God, what the heck? Why? Didn't you tell me to do this? Didn't you tell me to fast? Why am I still taking these losses? But you know how Israel responds? They don't give up. And in fact, they say, okay, okay. And then it says here that the men of Israel took courage after this heavy loss of, of uh, the first battle. That the men of Israel took courage and again lined up the next day in the battle line in the same place as before. And before they went out, though, they did this. Now let's turn to Judges chapter 20, verse 23. That should be there, I believe, Jeff. Judges 20, 23. So now this is after they lost the first battle. Here they are now going back to God again. And it says this, and the people of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening. And they inquired of the Lord, shall we again draw near to fight against our brothers, the people of Benjamin? And the Lord said, go up against them. Okay, check this out. It says that before the first battle, they went and inquired of God. And they heard God. God spoke to them. And so then they went to battle and they lost. What the heck, right? But here's Israel. They say, you know what? We're not going to give up. Let's go back and fight them again. And they said, not only do they go back to fight again, but they make an adjustment. They make an adjustment. And it says that this time they even wept before the Lord. So not only did they inquire of God, but this time they wept before God. And it says that they wept before God until evening. That meaning that they spent a longer time with God, right? Because that should be the answer, right? It's like if, if like we had some defeat, well, I need to spend more time with God. And then I'm going to get my answer, right? Well, let's see what happens for Israel. They make an adjustment. And God says, go again. God speaks to them again. Verses 24 and 25 is where we're at now. So the people of Israel came near against the people of Benjamin the second day. And Benjamin went against them at, uh, out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed 18,000 men of the people of Israel. All these were men who drew the sword. What is going on, God? Right? What is going on? I even chose to spend more time with you. I chose to fast the second day, right? And why is it still happening to my family? Why is it still happening to me? Why is it still happening at my workplace? Why do I still feel like I'm in a mental battle that I just can't win? The nation of Israel, they chose to even spend more time with God, to even weep before God, and they heard God again. And they still lost. What is happening? At this point, if you're like me, you might be saying, what's the point? What is the point, God? 
What is the point of choosing to serve you? What is the point of choosing to fast? What is the point of choosing to go to church, to pray, to read your word? What is the point if I'm just going to keep on taking these losses? What's the point? How is this possible? You know, as I read this story, this is where it really hit me hard, that this is us. This is us trying to do the right things, try and then fail, and then try to do the right things more, maybe try to do the right things better this time, and then fail again. Man, this is our story, isn't it? It is. Sometimes we say to ourselves, God, am I not doing the right things right now? Didn't you tell me to do this right now? Didn't you tell me to fast? But here's our, a couple key points for today. Just because we are doing the right things does not mean we are going to receive the outcome how we want it and when we want it from God. Just because you're choosing to fast, just because you're choosing to pray more, just because you're choosing to, you know, just try to do right, it doesn't mean that we're going to get the solutions when we want it and how we want it. There's only one person that's in charge of that, and it's not us. It's not us. If you've chosen to receive Jesus into your heart, you have given up that right of trying to say, I can fix my life. If you've chosen to receive Jesus into your heart, you're saying, I can't fix my life. I can't fix my life, God. I don't have the answers, God. And so I'm going to choose to trust that you do. And that's where we're at right now. You see, this is when we have to ask ourselves the difficult questions. Why are we truly fasting? If you're fasting right now and this month has been hard for you, or even just maybe not fasting, but just trying to do better with your life, right? Trying to, to, to you know, do right. And things are still just happening and, 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 and you just feel like you're just taking losses. You have to ask yourself, why are you truly trying to do better? Why are you truly fasting right now? Is it because you want a solution or is it because you want more of God? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Are we choosing to fast? Because I know that I chose to fast for many different reasons, right? Sometimes I, I, I choose to fast because I have a family emergency or maybe I have an emergency, some dire situation. And so I'm fasting for that solution. But I have to ask myself, am I fasting for that solution or am I fasting to get closer to God? Because if you're fasting for that solution, you're going to fail. But if you're fasting to grow closer to God then you're going to win because that means that it doesn't matter what the solution is, it's in his hands and we're trusting him with it. You see, the solution that we need, the, the, the solution that, just that you're fasting for, fasting for guidance for right now, is not found in the solution if that makes any sense. The solution, if you're fasting for something, maybe some answer, maybe some help with yourself or help with somebody else. If you're fasting, whatever that solution is, the solution is not in the solution. But the solution is only found in God. It's only found in God. You see, the solution that we need is only found in him. And I found this out the hard way. A little while ago, I had a moment with my daughter, Mariah. She was having a, having a really tough day. 
And I can't even remember what it was. It's something like she was scared of the dark and didn't want to go to sleep. And she was, like, extra tired, so she was, like, crying about it, you know. And, uh, and so she, and, and she, she was having just a really tough time. She's crying. And she's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't go to sleep. And so, you know, me and Jerry tell her, hey, 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 let's pray. Let's just pray. Let's ask God to help us right now, right? And then you know what she says? Because she's having a hard time. And I remember I was having a hard time too. I can't remember what exactly was going on. But I was just like really discouraged that day and in that moment. But I'm telling her, hey, hey, let's pray. And then she says this. She says, no, Daddy, that's just a fairy tale. That's just a fairy tale. And, you know, if you know my daughter Mariah, she has such an amazing heart. She prays for me all the time. And she believes in prayer. In fact, her first day of school, um, she was so scared the, 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 the night before that she asked for prayer. And so I prayed for her the night before her first day of school. And the morning when we're going to school, she says, Daddy, prayer works. I feel so much better right now. But in this moment, she was having a hard time. I was having a hard time. And in her distress, in her honestness, she said, no, Daddy, we can't pray. That's a fairy tale. And I cannot lie to you, there is a small part of me because of my own distress in that moment where I was like, yeah, it does feel like a fairy tale. It doesn't feel like it's real, right? And then as I kind of sat there and thought about it, I, I, I started to think of Jesus' disciples. There was a moment when Jesus when he had all these followers, and then he gave a hard teaching. And after this hard teaching, it says that multitudes left him. Multitudes left Jesus. Can you imagine that? People choosing to leave Jesus? But it happens. And it says multitudes left, chose not to follow Jesus anymore because of this teaching. And so Jesus turns to his 12 disciples, and he, and he says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, where else will we go? Where else will we go? You have the word of life. Where else will we go? So that hit me hard. That hit me hard. You know, sometimes, especially in those tough seasons, it does feel like a fairy tale, right? Our faith. It might feel that way to you. But I have learned that if you just don't give up, that God will come through and he will turn what feels like a fairy tale into reality. I was sharing with Anita this morning that I was listening to an interview of a pastor. And, and the pastor was sharing a story of years back when someone did him horribly wrong and God told him that he needs to forgive that person. And he's like, God, my mouth will, my, my mouth will say it, but my heart's not going to mean it. And I'm going to feel like a hypocrite. So how can I forgive that person? And, and in that moment, he said that God gave him a vision of a train. And in this train, the engine, the front of the train, had the word faith. And then the back car of the train had, had the word feelings. And what God was telling him was he's saying, you need to choose to forgive these people, even if your feelings don't feel it right now, but activate your faith. And as you activate your faith, that train is going to start moving and your feelings is going to eventually catch up. But we have to choose to activate our faith sometimes. Choose to activate your faith even when you don't feel it. And then eventually your feelings will catch up because simply 
That's the God that we serve. He is the God that comes through. He's the God that is faithful. I know I, I said this so many times, but I know that so many of us would not be here today if God had not come through for us time after time after time again. Even when it looked like he wasn't going to come through, he ended up coming through. None of us would be here today. I would not be here today. So now, back to the Israelites. They've just experienced their second defeat after spending time with God and then spending more time with God. It's probably starting to, starting to feel like a fairy tale to them, right? Like, this isn't real. God, are you real right now? Because you feel like a fairy tale to me. That might be what they're thinking. So here we are. They lost two battles. Now we're in Judges chapter 20, uh, starting at verse 26. Then all the people of Israel, the whole army, went up and came to Bethel and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of, of, of Eliezer, son of Aaron, ministered before it in those days, saying, Shall we go out once more to battle against our brothers, the people of Benjamin, or shall we seize? And the Lord said, Go up. For tomorrow I will give them into your hand. Can you believe this journey that, that they've been on? I'm telling you, it is our journey. It's like, God, should I even try? Because I feel like nothing's working. Spending time with you, praying, fasting. I'm still experiencing defeat after defeat after defeat. I'm even choosing to make adjustments and spend more time with you. But nothing's working, God. What should we do? And here's Israel in their moment right now. What's different about this story this time? This is the only time it tells us that not only did they inquire of the Lord, but the next adjustment that they made, well, so, so, so here they are now, the third time in a row inquiring of God, the second time in a row weeping before God, but now the first time choosing a fast. You know why they're choosing a fast? They are desperate. They are desperate for an answer. They are desperate for a solution. And that is why you and I choose to fast also. Man, when you are desperate, choose to fast. Choose to give something up to spend time with God. To say, God, I am not going to leave this place. I am not going to move until you speak, until you tell me, until you show me something. And he's going to come through. He's going to come through. So they make another adjustment and they fast this time. They're longing for guidance from God. And remember, one of the huge benefits of fasting is to discover God and yourself. And, that's what's, and that is what is happening in this moment. And I, I'm going to conclude here. If you could come on up, Jason. Um, a while ago, I chose to fast for three days. I just started pastoring here. I was also doing, uh, you know, my work in the military, and, uh, and then uh, Mariah just started kindergarten, and we're just in a really tough season, and I was in a really just, just tough spot, and I was like, God, I'm going to fast for three days, you, and you, you guys have to know that I love the military, 
man, I love putting on that uniform. I love having that American flag on my shoulder. I love what it stands for. I love the brotherhood. It means so much to me. But I knew that God was telling me something, that in this, in this moment that I was in, or in, in this moment that I was at in the military, I had a choice to continue or to put it on pause. But I love the military. I love being a chaplain to those soldiers. And so I said, God, I'm, I'm going to fast three days. I'm going to fast three days, God, and I need to know what's going to happen. And so I fast three days. And in those three days, I was taking loss after loss after loss. Things were getting worse and worse and worse. And on the third day, I was like, God, that... Today is it. I need to know because I have drilled this weekend, and so I need to know what to do. And so on that third day, we go to my daughter Mariah's, uh, her first ever parent-teacher conference in kindergarten. And at this parent-teacher conference, we discover that she has a learning disability. And so I'm like, wow. So that kind of hits you hard, right? Like we knew something was up, but we discovered that she has a learning disability. She, uh, uh, she was diagnosed with it. And so we're like, wow, God, okay, um, that's something. And then we go home, me and Jerry, and we're, we're kind of, you know, just kind of feeling down, you know, kind of sad for our daughter. And we go home, and Jerry sits me on the couch, and she says, guess what, I'm pregnant. And she was pregnant with our daughter, Sayla, at that time. I was like, okay, God, you have my attention now. Right? I've been fasting three days. This is the third day of my fast because I wanted to hear from you. I need guidance. Should I stay in the military or should I focus on my family? So on the third day, I find out that one daughter has a learning disability, and then we're adding another daughter to the family as well. And so I was like, okay, God, okay, God, um, I'm going to test you just a little bit. I'm going to go to drill this weekend, and I really need to make it clear, as if he didn't make it clear already, Right? I was like, I'm, I'm going to drill this weekend, and let me know, okay? Please let me know. Make it clear. So I go to drill, and I, get, and I feel fine the whole drive there, and when I get there, and the three days that we spent in a tent in the woods, I was horribly sick. All three days. It just hit me. I thought I was going to die. And, don't, and just so you know, you know, in the woods with the Army is not a place to be sick at. All right, but I was sick, I was miserable, I couldn't do my job as a chaplain because I couldn't even speak. I had no voice whatsoever. I mean, it just was taken from me. And so I was like, God, I get it. I get it. And so, as you know, I've been here every month now because I've taken this, this kind of leave of absence that's kind of ongoing for however long that I wanted to be because of kind of where I was at in the military at the time. But what I'm saying is... Man, even if you take the feats, take the feats, take the feats, just don't give up. The Israelites lost one battle and then chose to, to, uh, to uh, spend time with God and then lost a second battle. And now here they are going again to spend time with God and, and then now they're fasting. And here we are in Judges chapter 20, verse 34. And there came against Gibeah 10,000 chosen men out of Israel. It started with 400,000. Now they're sending out 10,000 chosen men of Israel. And the battle was hard. But the Benjamites did not know that disaster was close upon them. And the Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel. And the people of Israel destroyed 25,100 men of Benjamin that day. All these were men who drew the sword. So the people of Benjamin saw that they were defeated. 
God comes through. It may not be when we want it. It may not look like how we want to look like, but God comes through. But guess what? He only comes through if we choose not to give up. Even when it's hard, even when we don't understand what's going on around us. But if you choose not to give up, if you choose to keep on making adjustments along the way, right? Maybe, okay, now let's fast. Now let's read the word more. Now let's choose to meet as a group more. Whatever it is, but make adjustments. We can't do the same old, same old and then expect to have results. You can't do it. We need to make adjustments. When we are attacked by the enemy, we have to make adjustments. The nation of Israel made an adjustment after every single battle. And now, did they know that the third battle was going to be the time that God actually came through? They didn't know that, right? I mean, he, they just had two battles where he didn't come through. But they continued to make adjustments. They didn't give up. They chose a fast to truly hear from God, and God came through. And that's exactly what he will do for you and for me, but only if we don't give up, even after we take defeats. And what's so hard about that is that we take defeats after we're doing the right thing. Like, I understand, God, if I take a defeat because I'm doing something dumb, right, because I, you know, it has some horrible sin. I understand that, but I'm trying to do the right thing. But guess what? We give up all rights to God when you choose to receive him into your heart. You see, this is the key, and this is what I'm finishing with right here. If everyone can stand to your feet, we're going to be done. The solution that you are fasting for or the solution that you are praying for is not in the solution, but here is the victory. Here is the victory, 1 Corinthians 15. Paul wrote this, and he said, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? He's saying, throw at me whatever you want to throw at me, enemy. Kill me if you want to kill me. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what you're fasting for? The solution that you're fasting for, maybe something for your health, maybe something for some personal matter, maybe you're fasting for a family member. The, the victory is not the solution. If you get healed, if you get that answered prayer, that's not the victory. The victory is only in Jesus Christ. The victory is only in Jesus Christ. You see? So when we're fasting, we're trying to do right, but everything is going wrong, remember, don't quit. Make adjustments and know that your solution is not the victory, but your victory is in Jesus Christ. It's only in him. Because then we can say like what Paul said and say, hey, death, where is your sting? Throw at me whatever you want to throw at me. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because the victory is in Jesus when he died for me on the cross. The victory is in Jesus when he defeated death and rose again on the third day. Because now, no matter what you throw at me, world, no matter what happens, I know where I'm going. I know who I belong to. And that is the victory. That is the victory. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for who you are. We love you. We worship you. 
Lord God, we are choosing to fast for many different reasons. And some of us may get the solutions that we want. But some of us may never get the solutions that we want, God. And the thing is, we have to be okay with that because the main solution is you. You are the solution. You may want us to experience the things that we're experiencing for a reason, for a purpose. Things that are just too great for us to understand. And so we have to make a choice of choosing to have faith even when we don't feel it or give up. But I know that nothing will ever happen if we choose to give up. That we will, choose, that we will remain in that same cycle of defeat and death and depression and just taking those attacks, those losses, the same cycle if we choose to give up. So God, right now, I just ask this, that Holy Spirit, that you will enter in each and every single one of us and that we will realize that we have the victory already. That no matter what we're fasting for, we have the victory in you, Jesus. So whether we get that solution or not, we already have the solution because we have you in our heart. And we know that it doesn't matter where we go, it doesn't matter what happens to us, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right because you are in control. So help us not to give up. Help us not to give up. Help us to continue to make adjustments along the way. Help us know that the victory is in Jesus Christ alone. We thank you so much, Lord God. As you bless everyone here. Lord God, bless them with a great Sunday. Again, bless the Sabinoles, God. Be with them. Go before them. Bless them. Be, be their everything, Lord God. And let them just find a great community out there as well. We just ask you to have your way with us. Have your way with this church. Let it be a great day and a great week. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, you guys. Thank you so much again for being here. Uh, if you want to head straight down to Silva Hall, we're going to have some coffee, some cakes, some donuts. Just hang out a little bit and say uh, our goodbyes to the Sabinals. Take care.